0: Christmas, Doctor Who! Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Who Is My Doctor? Who is is my doctor who is indeed Uh, i am your host zach and i know a lot about doctor who
1: and i am also your host cassie and i know nothing about doctor who
0: and uh merry christmas everybody merry Uh,
1: christmas indeed hey happy christmas harry (laughs) hey
0: hey merry christmas
1: happy christmas
0: It's it's a Crimbo special everybody.
1: Woohoo. Uh, it Kajanga is a Jingle Jangle Bells.
0: It is the first ever Doctor Who Christmas special, not just for the Revive series, but the classic series didn't have one either.
1: Really? That's somewhat surprising to me.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if this is the reason why, but it certainly feels like it's not not the reason why. Uh Doctor Who has kind of a weird relationship with Christmas because they the first Doctor had uh, an episode that came out on Christmas and for some inexplicable reason William Hartnell turned to the camera and went incidentally hey! a happy Christmas to all of you at home and then went right back to the story
1: well break in the fourth well I mean if any character is going to have the permission to break the fourth yeah. wall the doctor doesn't feel like a bad choice however i can also understand why producers from that moment went "Mm, we
0: hates christmas it's just sort of a weird little like we as far as i'm aware it is the only time where the character has truly broken the fourth wall so it's just a little a little off-putting note in history
1: i mean but then if you follow the canon then that means that the doctor is always cognizant about the fact that he is in a television dimension.
0: <laughs> That's kind of fun. But this is our your first episode proper with uh, many people's, like many people's doctor. David Tennant is, I, I don't know if I could say that it's like, I don't know that he has the most passionate fans, but he certainly I think has the most... Of modern doctors
1: I am not gonna lie i've been very excited about about David Tennant doctor like ever since we've wrapped up uh, uh, Mr. Christopher Eccleston, I have been more than eager to jump back in and watch these episodes just because from my understanding, I have been told by many of people that David Tennant is going to be my doctor.
0: I mean which it's makes it's me a little s-
1: skeptical as well, just because I have that thing where if somebody says I'm really gonna like something, I make it a point to not like it. But I like <laughs> him in every other context.
0: And in many ways this is what made him famous because he this was right like we talked about how the first season came out the same year the fourth Harry Potter movie came out. Ah. Where he had a bit part as brought as Barty Crouch Jr.
1: Oh, that's right. Hello, Father.
0: <laughs> uh, and now this is his first really big role. That what really separates David Tennant from Christopher Eccleston, is David Tennant grew up as a fan of the show.
1: Christopher Eccleston wasn't a fan.
0: Uh, I mean, it, it, I don't, I can't say for sure if he was or wasn't. As far as I'm aware, he wasn't. It wasn't like his bag as a kid.
1: Interesting.
0: David Tennant was a huge fan. Specifically of the Fifth Doctor, Peter Davison. Is
1: that the one with the big old scarf?
0: No, that is the one who wears a piece of celery as a lapel. Aha! Yes, that was uh, the big old scarf. Was Tom Baker who came right before Peter. Gotcha. Um,
1: I wasn't too far off. I'm getting better. Yeah,
0: you're not. Yeah, you're not too far. Off. And uh, you know, like the scarf is one of the most iconic things.
1: I'm learning.
0: Um, yeah, David Tennant, and he also borrows a lot from Davison's portrayal of it because that was his doctor there's some other interesting tidbits we'll get to later on uh, regarding his relationship with Peter Davison so yeah David Tennant came in and you know he had a lot of very I don't want to say particular things but as a fan he had a lot of influence over the show influence over the character you never we never really watched the credits because I always wanted to cut it off before you saw a preview of the next episode yes but Christopher Eccleston was always credited as Doctor Who David Tennant went, "Don't do that. I don't, I'm not Doctor Who. I'm the Doctor." <laughs> and so, starting in this episode, the Doctor is credited as the Doctor.
1: I mean, that makes more sense because it
0: his name. His name is not Doctor Who.
1: They say it a couple times in, or I, I was noticing that they would say Doctor Who a couple times in the previous. Uh, with, with Christopher Eccleston, and it felt a little tongue-in-cheek, but never once did he refer to himself. Yeah, that's... He would go, uh, Doctor Who, and he'd go, ah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of the, It's sort of a running joke of the show, where because he doesn't have a last name, people go, what do you mean the Doctor, Doctor Who? Um, and he never has an answer to that question. But this is your first story with David Tennant. It is the Christmas invasion, and he has just finished regenerating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with
1: his new teeth, uh, his,
0: his new teeth and his pre-gelled hair. Hey, got,
1: you know what? <laughs>
0: you there, gotta are morning,
1: there are mornings that I wake up with new teeth and pre-gelled hair, and I just have to roll with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. How tr- I don't know if this is true or if this is the feeling I got. But when they specifically started leaning, as you were pointing out, the more romantic instead of father daughter, I do think they specifically casted someone that was, you know, half a decade younger than Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> So they wanted someone who could look a little less awkward as a nineteen year old's romantic interest,
1: yeah, which it, granted
0: David Tennant is still in his thirties at this time, but he has a hey, very young face. you know
1: what there are still i i the, hey, yeah, there are still people. Thanks to a certain uh, collection of good omens <laughs> that are thirsty for this motherfucker. Yeah, they,
0: every every couple of years he comes back in some in some new form or fashion to make people thirst over him again. Which um, is
1: so it's so amusing because he he strikes me as almost an Alan Cumming type where it's he's not he's not traditionally attractive. There's just something about these yeah. weird little men.
0: The energy that he gives off. Well, let's find out about the energy he gives off. Well,
1: um, hey, I got to make some predictions here, bud. I was
0: actually just about to get into that. I do have a couple of little thoughts for you here to, to chew on.
1: All right. Uh, so it is a
0: Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. In the episode, they get attacked by not one, but two different Christmas icons. I will give you a point if you can guess one of them. OK,
1: well, I know it's not Santa because the doctor has made uh, uh suggestions And gentle nudges in the past that he's been Santa. (laughs) So it's not Santa.
0: Unless the real Santas come after him.
1: You know what? (laughs) I don't want you to be right, but I also know after having listened back... To a couple of the tidbits and such while you've been editing the previous episodes. There have been a number of times when you say shit like that, that is supposed to gently DM me into a direction, and I go uh-uh, that's <laughs> wrong. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna stare at this set of keys in the escape room. Sure, I never try to left. nudge
0: you. I don't necessarily try to nudge you in the right direction. Sometimes I'll just nudge you in a direction I think is interesting.
1: I'm going to go with my gut, though, and stick with the Doctor Who is Santa, or is Santa adjacent? Some kind of a Santa helper. Uh-oh, (laughs) now it might actually be Santa. I've written myself into a corner.
0: Again, I didn't say it specifically. So it's a particular piece of Christmas iconography. Well, I
1: know it's not Kwanzaa Bot, because that's just Futurama. Kwanzaa Bot! So I can eliminate QuanzaBot. That leaves. <laughs> so my options are, it is either Chris Pine, Jack Frost, Alec Baldwin, Santa Claus.
0: I never said it was a person. Reindeer? Could be reindeer.
1: Could be Jesus.
0: Could be Jesus.
1: It could be Jeeps. Okay, can you repeat the Resurrect question? Resurrect this
0: motherfucker. Can you repeat the question? Yeah. So in the episode, they are attacked by two different pieces of Christmas iconography. So in this case, iconography just means an image in some way that you associate with Christmas. Okay.
1: Okay. An angel.
0: Okay. It could be an angel. No
1: gingerbread man. I gingerbread, change it. Yeah. Okay. It's it's like a gingerbread person.
0: And for reference, I'm, I'll give you a point if you. I'll let you guess too, and I'll give you a point if either one is right.
1: Okay. So gingerbread person because if I know any if if I've learned anything it's that sometimes stupid inanimate objects come to life be it trash can or mannequin something things like to come and you're, to you're life you're
0: really you're really hedging your beds with gingerbread person in case the gingerbread man has tits
1: well no <laughs> because gingerbread man is actually rather sexist <laughs> Gingerbread person, a ginger folk, if you will, not to be confused with any redheaded person. That's a ginger folk as well, <laughs> or people that are made out of the spice ginger. But I
0: digress. Uh, so it's going to be a, either a gingerbread person or a reindeer. That's a so reindeer and gingerbread person, are the two yes. things you're putting in there. And then uh, this episode also sees the return of one Harriet Jones uh, from your favorite uh, episodes of the last season. Um, oh
1: yeah, how I do, you th- do. I do like Harriet Jones.
0: And uh, Christopher Eccleston remarked that she becomes prime minister uh, in the next golden age of of the UK. Uh, but that was a Doctor ago. How do you think? Uh, how do you think D- David Tennant will get along with Harriet Jones?
1: That was a Doctor ago. Well, because if they're all part of the same Doctor network. Mm-hmm. His relationship will not change, will not have changed with her, but her relationship with him will change.
0: Interesting. Um, can you not, maybe not be more specific, but be a little, maybe.
1: Well, because if the doctor remains the same, like.
0: The way I've described it is they all have the same, the same dials. They might just be notated. Yeah,
1: it's the, the way that I. My understanding of the doctor is that body, body different, brain same. More in the or less. simplest, most broken-down terms, therefore, any relationship that the doctor has with somebody will stay the same. There, the doctor's understanding of that person will stay the same, and the doctor's relationship with that person, however, that person's understanding and relationship with the doctor is inherently different because they are different-appearing people.
0: OK, so maybe let's find a way just to to notate it, maybe a little more simply for the purposes of our game here. Do you think that their relationship will be more positive or more negative this time compared to the first time they they were with each other? I
1: feel like more positive since when last the doctor interacted with Harriet, he remembered how he knew her as the prime minister of England. yes.
0: Yes. Well, she at the time she was just a well. Member no, of but Parliament. that's
1: that's his the entire time in that first episode. He was scratching his brain trying to figure out how he recognized her, where he knew her from, and then by the end of that realized like, oh, that's she becomes this very influential person mm-hmm. and doesn't seem to have a negative reaction towards that, and even the sound editing around it is very victorious sounding and happy. So there is no indication to us as the audience that Harriet is bad at her job as prime minister. Yeah. So I think that the doctor's relationship with her is going to be positive.
0: Well, let's find out together as you and I sit down and watch our little Christmas special. With our little hot cocoa and our little gingerbread people. Ooh, ooh, hot. (laughs) And watch The Christmas Invasion from 2005. (laughs) This episode of Who Is My Doctor is brought to you by Fire. from the Christmas invasion
1: I was right about all of the wrong things?
0: Yeah, there were many times during the episode you guessed something would happen that seemed ridiculous and you were right, but unfortunately the Cassie Perfassie today was oh, 0 for 2
1: Oh my goodness, I was right until the very end
0: Yeah. Um,
1: oh man <laughs>
0: Yeah, we, uh, yeah, the, unfortunately the things that attacked, uh, our, our companions in this were Santas and a tree. Uh, they were not, uh, gingerbread man. To
1: be fair, I didn't even say tree as an option. Yeah. So I would have never gotten that one right, but I did say Santa.
0: And you, you dove around that. You said Santa a lot and you kept diving around. Santa, like, no, it's Santa. Not a Santa,
1: Santa, Santa, Santa.
0: <laughs> But in fact, it was three Santas. Oh, my
1: God. It was three mannequin looking motherfucker Santas. I did
0: appreciate because as someone who used to play trombone, (laughs) but as someone who used to play trombone in high school and college, there is not a part of anyone that's ever held a trumpet, trombone or tuba and not pictured it as being a very weird looking gun.
1: Yeah, I only play stringed instruments, so I'll take your word for it,
0: buddy. Because, you know, especially, I was a trombone player, so it was weird that they had the trombone be a flamethrower. I thought that was a little weird.
1: Oh, I loved that. Especially
0: when the trombone is one of the only ones that could be a pump-action shotgun. It's the only instrument that's got a ch to it.
1: Yeah, but it also has a makes sort of a wah shape at the end and wah <laughs> shapes are really good for throwing flames out of
0: uh we have our first christmas special and our first episode here with david Tennant. Um, oh my god
1: i i know what i said earlier i'm now gonna add the addition of david Tennant as baby girl <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do oh you mean by that? Goodness.
1: He's just, he's just baby girl. I don't know. He's not <laughs> a little guy. He's baby girl. Do I need to explain colloquialisms I, I mean, I, that, to you?
0: That makes sense to me, I suppose. Uh, I do, I did find, it, I do find it kind of amusing that the last episode ends with him going, "Ah, yes, let's go to Barcelona." Cut to him just like staggering out of the TARDIS in, in present day Earth. It was like, hi, everybody. How's it going? I got a new face. Merry Christmas.
1: I don't know what I was expecting, but I was really happy that he was still in the leather jacket, even though it's like, narratively speaking, that makes perfect sense that he's still in the leather jacket. That's what he was just wearing.
0: Yeah, but I think just because doctors become so married to their like outfit that you sort of forget that they can wear other things
1: but it's also because like david Tennant's just a little bit mousier than christopher eccleston the jacket itself fit him kind of big
0: yeah it, it very clearly is not his jacket
1: no it very clearly was probably eccleston's jacket that they just went here Tennant. you wear this <laughs>
0: Oh, I wonder if they may have even got one that was like a little bigger just to emphasize like how small he is comparatively.
1: Um oh, but i i I've been picking up new things the way that or and I suppose it might change in later episodes, but the tardis didn't just kind of appear. it spun in on us.
0: yeah, the when it appears, it's sort of uh that's the way it's supposed to arrive in places. Sometimes things can happen and it will have a bumpier landing.
1: But I, I like, too, that this was all, it it did feel a little bit more like they went, hey, gang, we have a much better bigger budget so now things don't look like they're still in rendering stages baby (laughs) things look finished
0: yeah a lot of the effects and it's partly i'm sure because this is a special so we can have its own budget separate from the rest of the show whereas the rest of the show has to have its budget spread across 13 episodes this can feel a little bit more like you know this can we can set aside money for this one project very specifically so we know going into it what we can accomplish and we're not like overshooting our bounds so
1: i am curious to see then in in future episodes what the tardis looks like coming in and i also noticed new ish intro theme music song yeah the
0: uh
1: i picked up that and i also noticed that there were more instruments i had that thought all on my own no help from you See, the joke there, folks, is uh, I did pick up on that. And then Zach had to tell me that it was more instruments to which I went, oh, that well, makes way more sense. It's
0: also not it's not just more instruments. They've also added um, what's called a middle eight to it, um, which is sort of like it's sort of like a bridge where it's just a, a slightly modified version of what we've already um, or not, a, not slightly modified. It's a significantly modified Melody from what we've already heard. So there's basically there's a chunk of the song that is different now. But yes, the orchestra will does seem to get bigger and bigger as the show keeps going, uh, which is a a fun little a little detail.
1: Before we know it, it's every instrument on earth playing at once. (laughs) Just so discordant.
0: I mean, the one thing that's really nice is they never really lose the theremin, which I feel like is so integral to. The, the theme song here. Uh, it's that, that's what gives it the spirit. One thing that's really interesting to me about this being David Tennant's first story is that he's not in it a whole lot. In fact, that's kind of the central con- like conflict is that the doctor is not present. He is napping. He is resting and rejuvenating. <laughs>
1: the doctor is literally out. Yeah. He wakes up for 30 seconds to use the sonic screwdriver to kill a tree and then says, You woke me up too early, passes back out. All the while, he is exuding balls of energy. I would just like to put that back out there that I was also correct. I've been correct about that this whole time. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, that's, I agree and disagree the doctor I mean the doctor has always had like a physical form it's not like they start birthed as a ball of energy and gain a form I
1: recognize that but also if we want to get really philosophical we as like people as human beings (laughs) like our bodies are not our are not even our souls they are not like us essence like when 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 I die my energy goes back into the universe my body decomposes and becomes other forms of energy. Therefore, the doctor being energy itself has has backup, has actual <laughs> like scientific backing. So I still stand by I am very correct in saying that the doctor is a ball of energy. Case opened and shut.
0: Let's instead actually talk about the absence of the doctor, because they do make a really good use of him being out of commission especially considering that you don't know anything about David Tennant's doctor. And if you don't know much about Doctor Who period, this is a very weird moment where your main character just changed actors and now they're asleep and just to make it extra weird, they also started like detaching comfort levels from the show like if like you don't understand the aliens anymore. And neither does Rose or anybody else that's been...
1: Even the TARDIS is out of commission. Yeah, so the
0: TARDIS is out of commission, so there's a part of it where it's like... There's no Captain Jack! Yeah, you're really removed from your comfort zone quite a bit. And I, th- I thought that was a really clever way of... Even after you've, like, left this episode, watch more of the show and come back to it, it lets you come back into the vibe where you were when you first watched it, and you're having to adjust to this new period, because there's something beyond just the story that is making you do that
1: i do understand now why you look at this as the beginning of like season two yeah it does feel very interim it's a little ambiguous
0: yeah which Um, i i
1: kind of feel is the vibe overall but i don't think it should be tacked on to the end of season one. I think it very well should be the beginning of season two.
0: Because that's where it feels, especially with the end of this episode being, you know, the doctor, like, we're going on new adventures now. Like, that feels like...
1: It feels like Rick and Morty. Hundred years, Rick and Morty.
0: <laughs> a little bit. Um,
1: In the stars. <laughs> Doc and Rose.
0: The, we also have our villains for the episode, the Sycorax. Uh, <laughs> the Styrofoam, yes. The Styrofoam. The Sycophants.
1: Uh, yeah, they, whenever Sycorax would come up on the screen, my, my, uh, my dyslexia was like, that's not how you spell styrofoam.
0: (laughs) Just Um, because of
1: the S and the Y. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What did you think about the Sycorax? They were.
1: I think they looked great.
0: They had this, like, um, like they had the bone helmets, obviously, but then you look at them and they're just like all muscle. They don't seem to have.
1: Well, because as we,
0: as we when, when
1: when 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 they have their little helmets on, they do look kind of doofy.
0: <laughs> they yeah.
1: they kind of look like um, in uh, Beetlejuice when Alec Baldwin Beetlejuice Man when he's like when they're putting on the scary faces. And <laughs> Hi, he just... I'm
0: Alec Baldwin Beetlejuice Man. Thank you, attorney at law.
1: But it it just kind of gave me like goofy, silly like. Danny Elf and Tim Burton vibes. But then, because I didn't realize that was a mask. I was like, oh, okay. These just have, these are aliens with a very, like, stupid-looking exoskeleton. Fine. But then he removes the mask to reveal these, like, yellow, orange eyes, pointed teeth. There's still that, like, bone exoskeleton, but like you're saying, there's also this, like, muscle sort of, like, membrane kind of gross and icky like definitely definitely does not look human i mean still humanoid shape because that's just kind of the downfall of putting a human being in prosthetics is no matter what you do structurally if you want to get convey any kind of performance people will always look like people however
0: well in some ways like with with that bone framing to the face and the muscle Kind of texture underneath it. They almost feel like they're like outside people. Like they've been turned inside out where their bones are on the outside and their muscles on the inside of that. I
1: can see that. Yeah,
0: yeah it's like it's not. It's obviously not one to one. Like they're not sitting around with a stomach sitting around somewhere. But there's there's something about it where I like I, it's just familiar enough to make you uncomfortable, but not so much that it feels like.
1: Like they're not meant to look like bugs. They don't look like deep sea fish or some things that. Come from Earth, but that we look at and say, "Ooh, that looks like something from another world." Like yeah. they, they don't have any of those properties, but because of that, there is a, a an unsettling familiarity that I I rather liked, and I really liked that their color palette was all very like dirt red, orange,
0: especially because they talked about part of. Uh... Part of what brought them there was a probe that was sent out to take pictures of Mars. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's something about it that still, like, makes it feel, be careful what you wish for. You wanted to see pictures of red dirt? Well, bad news.
1: Yeah, and it just, (laughs) the fact that they refer to Rose as the yellow one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the yellow human or the yellow girl. Yeah. Let's talk about her now. Uh, So Rose spends most of this episode effectively having a mental breakdown. Because her doctor is gone,
1: he's gone. But he's not. Yeah, it's a it's an internal battle of I recognize this person is the same person, but they look the, they do not look the same. Therefore, they are a stranger. But.
0: He's also active seems to actively be dying.
1: She and she even says that she forgets sometimes that he's not human. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for her is having to constantly remind herself he's not human. He has two hearts. And Jackie makes a comment of (laughs) a comment along the lines of like, oh, stop messing around. And she's just like, hey, you know what? This is just how he is.
0: Yeah. Mickey and Jackie don't seem to do too, too much this episode. They, they felt a little. No,
1: Mickey goes back onto his bullshit about being upset that Rose isn't into him and Rose being like, Hey dude, there's big world out there. There's so much to see so much more than I can get here. Also, she doesn't have to fucking work. She doesn't have to make money. She's not part of a cog.
0: Yeah. And I
1: I suppose that there is a part of Mickey that. You know, if you're looking at it in that context is jealous of Rose that she gets to do this like awesome thing with this like whimsical being that is the (laughs) doctor, whereas he stays behind and he's upset that she's not choosing to stay behind with them. But why would
0: you? (laughs) It's like watching Alice constantly go back into Wonderland and you never know when she's going to come back out.
1: Yeah, because once Once you've seen what else can be out there, like, why would you go back?
0: And I really think that the way Rose treats Mickey is part of the reason why people really start to dislike her. Because he's and uh, granted, Mickey really should just be able to take no for an answer. He keeps coming back to her, and she keeps, like, shutting him down, and he keeps doing it again and again.
1: Well, the upsetting part for that is the fact that, like, they're very clearly good friends. Like, at the very end of the episode, when the—spoilers, I suppose—when the ship leaves, she's, like, they're jumping up and, like, jumping up and down for joy. Like, she jumps on his back and is, like, (laughs) riding around on him, like, on piggyback, which you know, is something that you do with your friends, <laughs> especially when they're so strong. But if you can very clearly tell that they're friends, and for whatever reason, Rose is, like, they're still hung up on each other, despite the fact that they've both basically made the agreement with each other that they will never happen because of the particular road that, rose is traveling on it's a bit annoying just because it feels like mickey has to have this revelation every goddamn episode that he's in yeah like because i feel like there was some kind of agreement and some kind of like yes this thing will never happen we both need to move on in the the
0: the parting of the ways yes thank you
1: it felt like that was the episode where it was like all right cool They've buried the hatchet. They were going to move on. They're going to do their own thing. Needless to say, when Mickey showed up in this episode, I was kind of happy to see him. He yeah. Oh, cool. But then he goes back on to being upset and hung up on like, let's just, let's
0: do Christmas, just two of us.
1: You stop like, talking about this, tortoises, tortoise that. Like,
0: Mickey, are you so blue-balled that you just, your ex pops up, like, texts text you up at Christmas, and you're like, hell yeah.
1: Well, it's also, like... Imagine you've gone on this really fabulous, like, worldwide vacation. You're seeing all these marvelous things. Things that you're just so excited to share with all of your friends and family. And you just want to tell them all about this awesome trip that you're having. But then your friend is really angry that you're excited about the trip that you go on and gives you grief about talking about the trip you went on. It's a metaphor, but rose is going out and seeing these worlds and you know in the tardis and exploring and discovering new parts of the tardis and he's upset that she's talking about these cool things she has going on and like shuts her down like dude she's just excited like <laughs> what are you gonna talk about the fucking car repair shop that you work at like some silly bullshit your co-worker did
0: yeah it- like
1: rose's co-worker happens to be Uh, something of a love interest now i guess no longer father figure i was (laughs) right for that and then wrong and continue to be wrong but you know what when you got baby girl baby (laughs) tenant
0: baby (laughs) Baby girl Girl,
1: baby girl, david tenant it's a little bit easier to say this man is not my father yeah yeah, I. She gets to hold his weird spider hands. <laughs> it, it's
0: it's very unfortunate that they uh, that they walked back that plot uh, that like resolution already. It felt like he had come to a really good character place.
1: Yeah, just for
0: him to circle the drain.
1: Now I do wonder if that's because this is almost a one off special, even though it is to, it is attached to both season one and then season two. But it is kind of its own thing. I do wonder if they wrote in elements like that to remind you if it's been a minute since you've watched yeah. season one, or if you're not even if you didn't tune in for season one, you don't know anything, and this is where you're starting.
0: I mean, that's very because possible.
1: There's hype around it; people are excited it's back and are saying all of these great marvelous things. You know what? It, the world is now. It's 2005, so you know social media isn't huge quite yet if you have something that you're watching you're and excited to tell people about it you're telling them about it in person you're not seeing anything on the internet yeah so there is a very good chance there is a very good and very probable reality where this is meant to rope people in who either were not interested before and this is the first thing that they're seeing which if that's the case, then brava. This does a very decent job at letting you see into like very basic character very basic character traits for, you know, the, the core cast, which at this point I feel like is Jackie and Mickey as the earthbound cast and then Rose and the Doctor up in the sky. <laughs> um I give it a little bit of leeway and a bit of forgiveness for that fact and that fact alone, that this does definitely feels like a, well, this is a new doctor. This is a different doctor. Here's an introduction to everything that you've missed. Yeah. And then for those who are returning here, here's a couple bones for you to, you know, oh, here, here's Harriet Jones. You remember her. You love her. (laughs) She loves Rose. Oh, we're all
0: happy. She's (laughs) from your favorite episode with the farting aliens. Hey, (laughs) <laughs> she was the only good part of that episode dude and she continues being a really good element in this episode she's
1: so lovable until torchwood
0: yeah she uh,
1: fucking
0: she uh she ends up being a prime minister that's like apparently has made got the country having everyone's making more money
1: it's the golden age of europe or the britain
0: oh uh, yeah the golden age of britain uh but yeah jackie's mom says she's making like twenty dollars more a week she 18 she goes quid, around, not know, dollars. eighteen quid, but a quid is a a pound, uh, so it's eighteen pounds, about twenty dollars. Then you know she goes around the office, and when someone like when someone talks to her, she makes sure to learn their name. Uh, it's very like a very personable, idealistic kind of prime minister. One who's she was very concerned about like the personal element to being a politician and a leader, where she wants to. Which I don't know how well that works in reality. I don't know if there is something true to like, as long as I keep thinking about the people I'm serving, everything will go hey, well. Hey,
1: Zach, this is make-believe.
0: Yeah. But, well, that's what I say is like. I don't know how true it is in real life, but I, I get what they're going for and I appreciate it. But they still make it a, a pretty believable decision at the end.
1: Well, it's so upsetting because when she sees Rose, she doesn't just go, oh, I recognize you. They run into each other for such a, like, loving embrace (laughs) of people that, you know, granted they did save the world together. They did spend a significant time, albeit short time together, but impactful nonetheless. And so when you see that, it's like, oh, look at that. Like, she's so sweet. She's so sweet and so kind and loving and, you know, reaches, recognizes that she's not the right person to, you know, talk down this alien race. She implores the doctor to help her. Yeah. She goes out of her way to ask for help from somebody who she knows will be able to help her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure that we'll touch on it a little bit more in a minute, but... You know, despite him looking different, he is able to very quickly convince her that he's the same. And she goes, ah, my doctor.
0: I also want to say they do have her deliver one of the most British jokes I've ever heard. So they they establish in the episode that the Sycorax are using blood control. And so they've controlled everyone with a positive blood on, on the planet. And so Harriet Jones, delivering that message, looks off to the side and says, where do we know? Do we have an update on the royal family? Come to find out they're all on the roof, which is the joke to me is that they were is they established that it is not something that husbands and wives necessarily do, but it is something, you know, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, brothers and sisters they were, They were collectively. I was like, is that an inbreeding joke? That feels a little like an inbreeding joke.
1: I I I took it as an inbreeding joke just, for sure.
0: Just yeah, all of them, the entire royal family is all up Particularly there.
1: Particularly since it's very prominent on her desk a picture of the queen.
0: Yeah. It was that was one of I was one of the moments where I was like that feels this feels weird especially when you're do when you're in the middle of like addressing mass suicide for Christmas.
1: Well, that's what they're assuming it is.
0: Yeah, because well, I mean that's the thing. Everyone's lined up on a, on the top of a building right now, ready to jump.
1: It's lined up. They want uppies.
0: They want uppies. Well, I think we've atta- we've addressed everything else in the episode.
1: Except for one thing, Zachary. Do you know what that one thing is that we have not quite addressed?
0: What would what would that be, Cassie?
1: The food that Jackie decides that she's going to bring with her into the TARDIS because Rose makes the decision they have to pick up the doctor and move him into the TARDIS. And the four of them are going to take refuge in there because as far as Rose can tell, they're going to be under alien siege. So she tells her mom, get some food. We're going to all head into the TARDIS. And the thing that she makes sure to grab... Yet another very British thing is a hot thermos
0: full of tea. (laughs) And you had joked to me, oh, is he going to smell the tea and wake up?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did make that joke, didn't I? (laughs) You
0: did make that joke. (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, very big, very big in my notes. I write, right about the. Ding tea, ladies and gents, and uh, nothing else. <laughs> yes. I was right about the do- because it's not even just the tea. It's not even that it's like, oh, they left it out. It's the fact that it like spills over and gets into some kind of heating compartment, some kind of like hot spot underneath the TARDIS and starts steaming upwards towards <laughs> the doctor, towards his available nostrils at which time, then, at some point, he wakes up. And then as the audience, you don't ha- you don't know if it was the tea or not. You could just assume, ah, oh, it's TARDIS oh, magic. You- but no, 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 no. I have not gotten there yet, Zachary. Let me finish. He then makes a very loud announcement that it was the tea that woke him <laughs> up. The tea that woke him up. Tea. That's all I needed. Good cup of tea. Superheated infusion of free radicals and tannin, just the thing for heating the
0: synapses. Well, even b- even before that, as the steam is rising around him, you hear her go, <sighs> as he takes in a big whiff of the tea.
1: <sighs> I am so angry that I don't even get, I don't get nothing for that. I had them. so,
0: I had so, I had been so tempted to make one of the questions about what wakes the doctor up, but I didn't want to spoil for you that the doctor spends, like, of the episode unconscious.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't have guessed tea for that. (laughs) I have to remind myself sometimes I don't, I don't need to think very hard about this show. Sometimes the easiest answer is going to be the most correct answer. And you know what? I was almost right about Santa and I was right about the goddamn tea. The second she pulled it out. What is it? The second she pulled out the Chekhov's gun thermos of tea.
0: (laughs) Chekhov's thermos.
1: Oh, uh, anyways, that that's my whole that's my whole rant.
0: But yes, uh, that is what wakes up the doctor. And we meet David. We meet David Tennant's doctor, I think, properly for the first time, because the first time he wakes up, it's more just like an exposition.
1: It's it's discordant. He's.
0: He's just like, uh, I'm. I don't. I still don't feel well. And also, there's a, there's a threat coming here. There's an apple in my pocket.
1: There's an apple in the pocket. There's an orange in his pocket. <laughs> there's a whole
0: fruit salad going on in that pocket. Yum. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, so, but within me, first, meet the doctor. And one of, I, th- I think one of the most fun ways. For for the doctor to come in and say because well, the they even
1: do it they they did kind of a fun thing with framing where it was a little cartoonish but in a way that I really appreciated where they had like different planes of individuals and each time the camera passed by it would like they would dramatically turn towards the TARDIS mm-hmm.
0: well, even before that they they had they had established that they couldn't understand the Sycorax so they have a translator. They have like a translating machine doing it for them. But eventually the translator and the Sycorax are both saying the same thing in English.
1: And then the Sycorax get upset because they don't speak English. (laughs) They only speak Sycorax. Uh,
0: And that was that's the moment where I which I thought was very clever. I thought it was a very clever way to.
1: I do. I did like that because if you're not paying it very close attention, you don't catch it. And it isn't until it dawns on everybody else. Hang on. Yeah, this man. is all in English now, and Rose said that she could usually understand alien language only when the TARDIS was functional, and when it is not functional, because the Doctor is, for all intents and purposes, dead, the second that she starts understanding again.
0: It, there's something about it that feels like maybe the TARDIS, because the TARDIS and the Doctor aren't, like, the same being. So there's a part of me that almost feels like, what if the Tardis is like in mourning? Oh my
1: god! Wait, what if the Tardis woke up with the T 2 <laughs> It all makes sense.
0: Before that, it was just an artist. It needed to be a Tardis. Whoa! But I really, but yes, they, he, they, she just goes, wait. If I can understand you, that means the Tardis is working. And if the Tardis is working, then that means, and they all make a big dramatic turn, and he opens up the doors, and it's just like. Did you miss me? (laughs) Fucking cheese ball intro. I
1: adored it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was. uh... I'm
1: hooked. He's got me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He spends a good chunk of time, like expressing that he doesn't know who he is yet, that he's still sort of like.
1: Is he a coward? Is he sarcastic? Is he
0: frightened? Is he rude? Is he ginger? Am I ginger?
1: I loved that he was so angry that he wasn't a ginger. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And this is also coming from somebody who, when I was in high school, a little, a little fun backstory, Cassie time, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a ginger so bad. I thought it was so cool, mostly because I was going through like a Sean White thing. So I was like, oh, my God, I want I want this like natural, unnatural hair. I did kind of I was able to lighten it enough that I could dye it with henna. So it did turn like a little orange. Mm-hmm. So I was very proud of myself for that. But <laughs> that resonated with me on a, uh, you know, on a very personal note of wanting to wake up and be a ginger. <laughs>
0: He walks around, he's like says something rude. He's like, Oh, am I rude now? Rude and not ginger. Like although he starts like just checking off all the list of things he could be.
1: It's very much talking to himself mm. with literally like six other humans and then just a cavalcade of Sycorax aliens as he's going on this like very fast journey of self discovery.
0: <laughs> what's nice what's kind of fun about it is that it shows that the Sycorax are very strong, but they are pathetic in comparison to the Doctor, who basically defeats their entire plan with a press of one button. <laughs> a button that he keeps being well, like, it's, oh, that's a big button. That's a... I want to th- push that button.
1: They're simple-minded. Yeah. As, as is the Doctor, but in a very different way.
0: Yeah. There's something about...
1: Because he... In this moment, the Doctor is going through a... Tr- transition of sorts he's going through a, a stage of self of discovery and self-discovery so there's almost like a childlike charm to that
0: <laughs> i do think because the the doctors wide-eyed
1: ju- wonderment
0: yeah i do think that the doctor will the doctor goes through a journey so he's not always exactly the same but i do think david Tennant at this point is not unlike a dog where he's just like oh i'm gonna just look around here and see what's going on
1: now I do I do like that there were some callbacks for lack of a better term.
0: Oh yeah, when you're talking about when Rose was uh, trying to use all of her various trivial knowledge that she's picked up to try oh, that and trick too. the cigarettes.
1: That's so cute. <laughs> that also feels like it feels like when you're really just trying to prove to somebody that you know what you're talking about. So you throw every big word you can think of about <laughs> a topic. Don't don't know why I found that endearing. I was a little certainly bothered. not. It was a
0: little weird that she did choose to call out like, on the order of the Daleks like, what?
1: Every every word. She did seem really proud of herself for saying Max effects of Cornicopolis <laughs> Max
0: of cornicopolis, exactly.
1: Did I get it? No, it's
0: Rexicoric of
1: Rexicon,
0: <laughs> T. Rex Planet.
1: I did it.
0: <laughs> uh, what were the other references that you were catching?
1: I mean, it is jumping ahead a little bit, but as the Doctor, after their little like sword duel, and the the one Styrofoam Cichorax is coming up behind him to stab him. He throws the Satsuma he found in his pocket at another big button, like dismantling a platform that the that the one alien was standing on, and he falls to his death. And it goes no second chances, which is very like because we've we saw the doctor in the previous season giving people second chances and immediately having them turn. Yeah, like we saw that with Dalek, we saw that with the Slitheen, we. Those are the only two examples I can pull from the ether at the moment, which, Hey, you know what? That's two that I didn't think about for very long. Good job. (laughs) Cass, you are learning, but it's very clear that David Tennant's doctor, this doctor is the same. And I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, he learned, but it's a, like, there is a sort of like, he's learned from his own past.
0: I do think there's something about where a lot of, especially the modern doctors, each one is sort of a response to the one previous, not necessarily learning from their mistakes, but taking some of the things that that doctor wanted to be or uh, couldn't quite be and learning from them. So I think there will be, uh, we'll see more of that as it goes on, but I I think you're onto something there with, this this no second chances thing is a thing, the tenth doctor learned from the ninth doctor's mistakes.
1: From the ninth doctor's like empathy. Yeah,
0: like like the the tenth doctor is 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 a little less. I don't I don't know how to describe it. A little. I don't want to say human, but they're a little they're a little less uh, soft in some ways. They're they're a, they're more of a bouncy energy.
1: I say like this tenth doctor does feel very like excited and yeah you know just like interested in in learning and interested in seeing what's new and you know re re-meeting people re-establishing relationships and but there's also the part that's like i think the thing and you know we'll we'll see it eventually or i i'm sure i'll see it eventually Um, And I'm curious to see, because the one thing that I really liked about Christopher Eccleston is the fact that he did play the very, like, naive happy-go-lucky, but, like, the minute that he finds Dalek, he turns, and there's years and eons of just sadness and grief that come out in that moment. And I'm very excited to see... Tenth Doctor have that moment.
0: Okay. Oh uh, well, because there's definitely a few of those. Um, we just we've already talked about the Daleks, but there's uh, the Doctor has sort of three different arch-nemeses. The Daleks are one of them, uh, and we'll meet the second. We'll meet the second of two later in this season. Cool. And the, the third one is the season after that. But we'll get to those as we come to them. But you'll definitely have moments where the Doctor has to have other. Moments with these villains. Um, cool. But speaking of moments with villains...
1: Fight in hand, yeah, baby! Yeah, the,
0: it, I was just like, this feels weird to watch the doctor have a sword fight.
1: <laughs> I loved it. I don't <laughs> think we use swords enough.
0: It does feel a little like... Did David Tennant just specifically demand, I will play the Doctor only if I can have a sword fight in my pajamas? Considering
1: that his sonic weapon of choice is a screwdriver, it does not surprise me that that he would have a sword fight. <laughs> That's That feels very appropriate for him. Captain Jack is the one that would have gunfight. Yeah. The Doctor is a melee type of guy. I mean, this
0: might be funny for you. The third Doctor specifically used... Uh, martial arts
1: hell yeah uh
0: it wasn't it wasn't like a human one i'm blanking i want to look it up real quick because it's funny it wasn't a
1: human one
0: yeah he used uh, what's called venusian aikido (laughs) so it's the karate of venus wow (laughs) venusian aikido venusian karate uh that that was what the third the third doctor was the first one to use it he was more action guy stuntman james bond type of doctor um, and so it's come up for other doctors, but it is, that's, it's, I can't decide if that's, if that would be more or less weird than the sword fight with David Tennant, if he had just gotten into hand-to-hand combat. Attack. Yeah.
1: Considering that this is an alien race that we've never seen before, I think it would be very, very off-putting and out of character. It's, if it was a, not only is this an alien race that we've never seen before, but we're also seeing this doctor fight with his fists, considering that David Tennant is a little bit soft. He's a little gangly.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a gangly bean. He's a bit
1: of a noodle man. So it would be a little silly to see him doing unarmed attacks as opposed to wielding a finesse weapon.
0: Yeah, I could, I could understand that for sure.
1: Plus, swords are fun. (laughs) Punching is for brothers and sisters only.
0: But yeah, uh, in the sword fight, though, he does have his arm, his hand cut off.
1: Yeah, but like a lizard, he can regenerate since it's still within the 15 hour window. (laughs)
0: But I don't. There's just a doctor's hand just landed somewhere on the ground.
1: Oh, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of lands on the ground. There's a sword falling from the sky, <laughs> that's gonna pierce somebody's nice home.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny to think that just somewhere someone has just like is this David Tennant's hand. <laughs> what is this
1: spider of a hand?
0: Huh. Um. And
1: what's this a sword? And what's this over here? Oh, an alien man crushed to smithereens.
0: <laughs> yeah, it alert uh, the
1: presses.
0: <laughs> yeah, although you got, like, you kind of got to wonder if you divide the if you were divide divide a doctor like in half because they have two hearts while they're in that first fifteen hours of regeneration, would you just get two doctors?
1: Oh my god, we could just have um, fuck, what's the word I'm thinking of, like starfish?
0: Oh yeah, uh, where if you cut off a cut a starfish in a certain way they'll grow limbs in both yeah. places yeah or uh just like double double davids
1: asexual reproduction is that the word i'm i think yeah. that's the phrase asexual I'm looking reproduction. For. yeah so if we want more doctors all we have to do <laughs> is wait for them to regenerate and then just slice them in half <laughs> two doctors for the price of one yeah it uh and then four doctors, and then eight doctors, and then sixteen, <laughs> and, and each one angers the last that you just cut them 64, in half. And sixty four, and then one
0: hundred twenty eight.
1: One hundred twenty eight. That's where it stops.
0: <laughs> we ran out of knives.
1: Well, because uh, just it reminds me of that episode of uh, Futurama where Bender like reproduces himself indefinitely. Yeah, we could just have microorganism doctor who's (laughs) that's what makes up the TARDIS is a bunch of teeny tiny doctors
0: we do have the doctor interacts with Harriet Jones and they seem really friendly for a little bit
1: oh yeah she refers to him as her doctor and then they call up saying hey ma'am torchwood is ready and she goes
0: you may fire when ready and then they fire the fucking death star yeah, like it's not even a little bit. Not that they're they are a group of green lasers that meet in the middle and then shoot upwards to blow something up. That's the Death Star that specifically blow up a spaceship. And she seems really like not like she seems like she's not super dedicated to it at first. It's sort of the doctor has to point out that, yeah, you guys you guys are interacting with aliens a lot. And you, you keep sending up satellites and messages into the air and, uh, and you know, people are going to find it. you're you being really noisy. Aliens are going to come. And she's like, no, rather than doing the responsible thing of, like, preparing for it. She instead decides to blow this them up. This is
1: her preparing for it, though. Well, no, because her this is her sending a message.
0: Well, that's the thing is, she's deliberately not. She blew them up because that way they wouldn't go tell others about Earth. Like it's not about sending a message because no one's going to get it. That that is to stop them from telling others about Earth. And the doctor gets pissed.
1: <laughs> but then she accuses him of being alien invader.
0: And so he deci- he says that he he can take down her entire political prospects with six words.
1: Now what were the six words?
0: Don't you think she looks tired?
1: Oh, that is six. Okay.
0: Well, it's there's something about it that's like I don't think what they meant it this way. I'm sure they just meant it as like a general criticism of the political atmosphere that someone can be that someone being otherwise successful, being lobbied, the tiniest of like criticisms could destroy their career. It does feel a little bit like this is how we treat women.
1: The number of times I've gone into work being just a little bit sleepy during the day and one of the freaking guys in the back goes, oh, you look tired. Like, no, no, that's just how I look. I'm not tired. I'm exhausted.
0: <laughs> it's it's just don't you think she looks tired? And apparently but like, that you one... never
1: ever say that about a man.
0: Exactly. Like, I don't I don't see that affecting any man's career. So as a part of it where it just feels like that feels a little gross. I don't know if that was intention- intentional, intentional. Or if it was, if it came across how they wanted it to.
1: I mean, of all the things that you could say, that I feel like is the least offensive. Because it's not mocking her for, you know, oh, this was an irrational decision because she's on her period or, you know, oh, she's an older woman, must be menopause. It's, don't you think she looks tired
0: and then let the rumor spread from there.
1: I mean it still sucks. I'm not defending it, yeah, but that, I am also saying it could be worse.
0: Yeah, that she uh immediately has to start defending that she is that hurt. She has no health concern. She's doing fine, but it's been I think a day.
1: <laughs> it's been Not even a day, because that was Christmas Eve that all of this stuff is going down. The next day when the news reports are coming out, it's Christmas Day. It's been less than 24 hours.
0: And suddenly all the news reports are like, they're going to have a vote of no confidence for her because she looks tired and is ill. And I'm like, that sucks. Like, doesn't suck. I mean, it sucks. One, the doctor was the one who did it, but it also sucks that that feels plausible. Yeah, that someone could just spread the rumor. Don't you think she looks tired? And everyone's like, "Yeah, I think she might be dying." Oh,
1: My God, she looks ill. She needs to. She needs to go
0: to hospital.
1: <laughs> um, fashion show. His little.
0: Oh yeah! At the end of the at the end of the episode, he uh he you finally <laughs> he gets to he gets to pick out his outfit. He picks his little outfit. And you get and you get to see the TARDIS wardrobe for the first time, and it's huge. I
1: mean, you saw it before, in uh in.
0: They oh. mention it before. You don't physically see it before.
1: Oh, yeah, I suppose.
0: Yeah, this is the first time you get to actually see it, and it's huge. It's got a spiral staircase I in the middle mean, of it. I mean, yes, sure. I mean, when you saw what what you looked at, like, what I'm sure you perceived was just one level of it. There's a spiral staircase in it going up and down to grab more outfits. Hey, babe,
1: I'm going to remind you that I worked in a costume warehouse for, like, three years. <laughs>
0: Fair, I suppose.
1: That bitch had three levels of costumes that could only be accessed via a 20-foot ladder that you would have to wheel around really awkward. So I know a lot of costumes when I see it. That, not a whole lot. But you know what? It's a lot for you, bud. Well,
0: I also just meant, like, it's a TARDIS. It can go up and down infinitely. It is not like it is, you know, only one or one to two to three levels.
1: But I like, I like his choice.
0: You know, his uh, brown jacket, uh, his brown suit with the brown jacket over it.
1: Yeah. Um, In fact, as we were watching it, I went, God damn, I want a long jacket. (laughs) I want a red one, but
0: that's... So, fun fact about his outfit. Mm -hmm. While the suit is fairly obviously a pinstripe suit, uh, that long jacket is made from a sofa covering.
1: Okay, that makes me feel way better because I've been thinking about making my own jacket out of upholstery for <laughs> like upholstery fabric.
0: Yeah, the uh, the costume designer, they they had the suit already figured out, but they wanted something to go over it to match, you know, like the the like the fourth doctor's scarf for the fifth Doctor's. The fifth doctor had like a cricket jacket that he wore over it, and Tennant being a huge fan of the fifth doctor, wanted to kind of emulate emulate that a little bit. And they couldn't figure anything out until the costume designer made a trench coat out of a sofa covering, and so that is that that is that outfit. Brilliant, love that. <laughs> yeah. So how did so
1: we we have we have tr- uh, jacket made out of sofa covering, infinite scarf made out of smaller, tinier scarves. Yes,
0: <laughs> and a celery lapel.
1: Celery lapel. I the costuming department on the show must have.
0: One of my favorites is a little time. One of my other favorite little costume details is the Seventh Doctor walked around with an umbrella and the handle of the umbrella was shaped like a question mark.
1: That's fun.
0: Yeah. How Uh, Riddler. Yeah, it was very very Riddler, but there's something about it that feels very like Who? Yeah. Uh, he also had a the his hat had a Doctor? His hat and his uh, sweater vest also was covered in the same question mark, so it was something very iconic to the Seventh Doctor.
1: Doctor Riddler?
0: So we, you finally met the new doctor, you get, you get his new outfit, and then we have what I think is genuinely one of the most subtly horrifying things I've ever seen in television. A bunch of people playing in the snow, but it's not snow, that's ash. <laughs> it's snow, Just it's snow, shaking my head,
1: no! I'm just
0: picturing some child, like, trying, like,
1: I'm gonna make a snowman! <sighs> Mom, the snow's not staying together. My favorite idea is like, oh, I'm going to try to catch it on my tongue.
0: <laughs> Honey, why is this snow not cold?
1: Why is it 80 degrees outside but snow?
0: <laughs> I mean, as
1: Rose is going, "Look, meteors," and the doctor goes, "Oh, no. That's just a bit of Oh, we didn't touch up on that either."
0: They're off to um see the wizard. <laughs> They're off to go into another adventure. Uh, I do enjoy the little touch where he's like, we're going to go that way. No. That way. And his ba- his hand barely moves from where he pointed the first time. There's something about it that's a very fun little touch. But we we now officially have our 10th doctor. Um, rested, recharged with a nice cup of tea. You Shut up. <laughs> shut, shut up you, about uh, the tea. How are you feeling about David Tennant? Uh, Going into it compared to Christopher David, Davey Girl, Davey
1: Tennant. I'm so excited.
0: I remember you saying Genuinely,
1: genuinely so excited because also, also, I don't watch it, but I see a lot of clips from Good Omens and whatever it is, that's David Tennant and Michael Sheen just like (laughs) video chatting each other. I love those. <laughs> I don't know what the context is. They just appear on my For You page. And I have such a wonderful time watching that. And so it's, I'm I'm in a spot already where it's like, I'm already so like endeared by Michael Ten- Or by, whoa, by Michael, by Michael Tennant. Tennant.
0: Michael Tennant and David Sheen.
1: I'm so immediately endeared by David Tennant.
0: He's at least built up a reputation as you know one of the good ones. You uh, know, I'm I'm sure he's human and he's got his own faults, but in terms of being in the UK, when it really seems like it's you know become turf island, David Tennant's out here like leave trans kids alone. Uh, so there's a part of it where you know David Tennant seems like a good dude.
1: Yeah, like there's there hasn't been any news that has come out that makes either of us go yikes.
0: Yeah. Um, and so
1: I'm I'm generally very excited because I also re- I like Rose a lot and I did not realize that she was going to remain a companion. I thought that it was going to I thought that with each new doctor came a new companion, like right out the gate. And so I am excited to see their dynamic
0: yeah i mean it's not necessarily- and also
1: like you know spoiling it i suppose for myself a little bit like i know that rose is going to leave at some point and i'm curious to see how that happens because so far we've seen her on three or four separate occasions go what are you talking about like of course i'm going with yeah as long as you'll have me
0: so we'll, we'll you'll have to see how how she uh departs from the doctor um, but you're, you're overall feeling better about this than you were about Eccleston going into him. Yeah. Well, I
1: think it's also like a familiarity thing. Cause I knew of David Tennant beforehand. Sa- similarly, like whenever we meet Matt Smith doctor, mm-hmm. because I know those are the only two names that I know. Everybody else is a mystery to me,
0: man. What I should have done then is before we started watching the show, you some sort of Christopher Eccleston's sassy things he said about the Queen of England. Christ- Christopher Eccleston hates the British monarchy and hates that it still exists and does not hide it by any stretch and it's really funny. So maybe I should have shown you, you some of that before we started. Because <laughs> um, otherwise the only thing you might have known Christopher Eccleston for was he was the villain in Thor 2. Um,
1: I mean, it, like, my impression of Christopher Eccleston and, like, bear with me on this, he gives me very big Michael Crawford vibes. And by that, I mean, Michael Crawford, when he was cast as the Phantom in the original running of Phantom of the Opera, was only known for his comedic roles and was only ever known for being kind of like a a a, like English Dick Van Dyke, mm-hmm. very physical comedian, very like tall, gangly. Nobody knew him as a singer. Nobody knew him as a dramatic actor, except for like a handful of like side projects and things that he had done. So when he got cast as Phantom, everybody was like, "Oh, are you sure? Like, are are you absolutely positive about that? Like, that's hmm, it's kind of silly casting, but all right." And then like blew everybody out of the water, and that I feel like is everybody's like go-to like phantom of choice.
0: Yeah. Christopher Eccleston sort of had like almost the opposite situation where he was a very dramatic actor yeah, that came into a very kind of that's, silly role. That's kind of
1: what I'm getting at yeah. is they had equal and opposite like lives before these roles. Mm-hmm. And so because I made that connection, like I do like Eccleston. I think that he's a fine doctor and, you know, for somebody who's blindly walking into this wacky little world, he is not a bad place to start. Mm-hmm. It He feels like kind of a prequel doctor, ironically enough, even though I know that there were eight others that, you know, presided him, which I do think that there was a moment in time where you showed me one episode.
0: Yes. I have been not bringing it up for the hopes that you will forget that I did that. Nope. I remember. Or rather, let me phrase it. So hopes that the less I bring up, the less you will remember about that episode. everything. Because there are three places so far in New Who that I think are good dropping in points. The first one is Rose, um, because that's the start of the new show. It was meant to introduce you to the show. I think it's a I think it's a great jumping on point. I don't really think there's a good place to just jump on with David Tennant uh, because even this episode sort of needs a lot of like the backstory that you're coming from with the last season. So you can sort of jump on with the next episode, but even that's like you're losing some of the material there with Rose. So the next jumping on point isn't until the 11th Doctor, which is where I first tried to start showing you this before I decided before we talked about before it sort of faded out and we did this podcast instead. Um, Great.
1: So that was also at the very beginning of the pandemic. I think so. it was
0: even before that. Because we were, that was three three to four years ago I showed you this. But I'm glad you're feeling more positive about it. Because if I'm being 100% honest, this next season is not my favorite season of the show. <laughs> there's still some, there's some really good stuff in it. But for my money season two of doctor who is probably the weakest overall season of the show
1: because you're you're saying that i am predisposed to find everything in it that i like (laughs) because i'm a fan of garbage so
0: well we will find out together uh how your taste for garbage compares to mine Um, (laughs) on the next episode of who is my doctor hey
1: zach who is my
0: doctor let's continue to find out It might be David Tennant.
1: Maybe. We'll see.
0: And that finishes off Who is My Doctor for the year 2023? I'm really happy with how the show's been going so far, and I hope you have as well. I know we'll keep getting better as we keep going on, and I look forward to you coming along with us. Please give us a like or five stars to help us be found by the algorithm. You can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, or threads at Wimdipod. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. We're taking next week off so I can enjoy the holidays, and I hope you enjoy yours as well. Merry Christmas if you celebrate, and Happy New Year to everyone! We'll be back on Tuesday, January 7th, because even after the holidays, your Tuesdays are now whose days.